Psalm 63. Chris spoke about this last week. Psalm 63. And he, he, he quoted from Psalm 63, which says, this is the psalmist David that says, Oh God, you my God, early will I seek you. That was written by David. David the psalmist, David the shepherd boy, David the king. And he, this was almost like his mantra. In fact, he says it in a number of different places. He wrote three psalms. I'll just throw this out. I forgot to set the timer. Ah, sure. Okay. So he wrote three psalms while he was in caves. And three times in these different psalms, Psalm 108, Psalm 57, and Psalm 63, he uses this terminology about early will I seek you. And at those times, when he was in the cave, that's when he was in dire need. And I don't believe that he's actually talking about just early in the day, although he does, he does say that he will awaken the dawn throughout those three, those three um, psalms. He says, I'll awaken the dawn. So he is up, he's an early riser, but I don't think that's what he's referring to. I think David was referring to early will I seek you. It's early in my day, but early in my thoughts, early in my speaking, early in my actions will I seek God. You know, I don't know if it's just me, but I've noticed recently on a lot on social media, there's a lot of ranting. This seems to be the new trend. We're allowed to go onto social media and rant about people and things. And personally, my my opinion about this is that whoever has set a rant on Facebook or Instagram, whatever it might be, they've not sought God. You know, before we press that post button, let's just seek God before we press that post button, okay? Before sending off that shirty text, let's just pause and think about it and seek God, you know, because it could be misconstrued, it could be misinterpreted. Let's just, we're not going to be super sensitive, but let's be, let's seek God. Let's be like David. So before picking up that phone, before picking up that tablet, before doing that post, let's seek God. Let's seek God. Let's choose our thoughts, choose our words, choose our actions early. Don't wait for a crisis before deciding your course of action. Seek the Lord before you hit the trial. Before you hit the trial, it's so important. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In fact, the Amplified says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things, his way of doing things and being right. Let's put that first, seeking God first. Remember, we're talking all throughout, not all throughout, but uh, on Sunday Night Local, one of the emphases that we were placing was about conforming to the image of Jesus. You know, if you're wondering, what is my calling in life? I'm going to tell you what it is today, okay, so you, don't, you can stop guessing. We are call, called to conform to the image of Jesus. That's it. That's our, that's our calling. It, 
it's not about this position or that position. It's about conforming to the image of Jesus. It's about becoming more like him. And the only way we become more like him is by seeking him, by spending time with him. Um, so we've got to seek first the kingdom of God. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. That's the bad news, okay? You will have trouble. Um, we live in a fallen world, and things go wrong. But when things go wrong, what is your response going to be? Are you going to respond, or are you going to react? And you think, well, what's the difference? Well, to react to something is to make that knee-jerk reaction. You know, something goes wrong and you react straight away without thinking about it. Whereas a response is a godly, measured response to whatever has come against you. Romans chapter 5. Okay, this is, this is our key scripture. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 4. It's in the Amplified Classic Version. Did that tickle you there, Andrew? <laughs> it's got to be the AMPC version. But listen to this. So the good, the bad news is, is that we're all living in this world and it's a fallen world. We're going to have trouble. Romans 5, he says, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, let us exalt and triumph in our troubles. In the midst of our troubles, I don't know how about you, but I don't normally do this too well. Let us exult and rejoice and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in, in our sufferings. Why? How can you do that? How can you exult and triumph in your troubles and rejoice in your sufferings? Because you know. It says knowing, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce, pressure, affliction, and hardship produce, it produces something in our lives. It produces patient and unswerving endurance. And then he goes on. And endurance, which is fortitude, it's strength. Endurance is a strength. It develops maturity of character, which is approved faith and tried integrity. I'll read that last line. Endurance develops maturity of faith, or maturity of character, sorry, approved faith and tried integrity. I like that word, approved faith. So if there's approved faith, there must be disapproved faith, right? So what is disapproved faith? Disapproved faith is when you give up, when you don't endure to the very end. So what is approved faith? Approved faith is when you endure to the very end. That's what Jesus calls great faith. Whenever Jesus speaks about 
great faith. It's faith that endures to the end. And this is what, this is, this is becoming more like Jesus. This is how we become, we endure. And as we endure, we develop maturity of character. We have that approved faith. And now I'm getting to the word I've been trying to get to, tried integrity. That word, integrity. The word integrity comes from a Latin word. I took Latin at school, which says it's called inter... I can't pronounce it. (laughs) I haven't done Latin for a long time. doesn't matter what it is. But what it means is the state of being whole or undivided. That is what integrity is. The state of being whole or undivided. In fact, I even remember this from my maths days at school. Johnny, you're going to be so impressed. You know what I'm going to say, hey? What am I going to say? I'm going to talk about an integer. Integer. I thought I'd impress him. An integer is a whole number. That's what it, one, two, three hundred, ten thousand, that's a whole number. It's called an integer. It's not a fraction. It's not a fraction. So when we have endured and we have this character built in us, that tried integrity, it's not a half job. It's not a fraction. It's a wholeness. And we are integrated with God. God is a God of integrity. He is whole. He is undivided. There's no shadow of turning with him. God and his word are one. You cannot separate God from his word. You cannot. Numbers 23, 19, last week, we, uh, I shared this actually last Sunday, and it said, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent. God doesn't lie. If his word says it, if it's a promise from God, he doesn't have to repent of it. You cannot separate God from his word. The word says, has he said and will he not do it? If God has said it, he'll do it. He's not a man. He is a God of integrity. Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? God and his word are integrous. They are so intrinsic. You can't separate him. You can't separate God from his word. You know, when we get saved, we're not sort of 97.5% saved. No, the Bible says Jesus saves to the uttermost. We're 100% saved. Our souls might take a time of restoration, but he saves 100%. There's no half measures with God. The Bible says that all of his ways, all of God's ways, are mercy and truth. Not some of his ways. All of his ways are mercy and truth. Jesus is the word of God. We read about this in John 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. Speaking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word, Jesus, 
was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1.14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word of God, and he dwelt among us. This Bible that we have isn't just something that we are to just memorize. It's not something to just memorize and use it as like an incantation, like a mantra, throw a scripture at something. That's not what the Bible... The, the Word needs to become flesh in our hearts. We, we need to... This Word needs to become integrated. We need to become one with the Word of God, like God is. God and the Word are one. You can't separate Him. We need to allow the Word to become flesh in our lives. God's ways are to become our ways. It's not just His Word. It's His, it's his ways. It's God's ways. Early will I seek you. God, what are your ways? What are your ways in my life? How do I apply your ways on a day-by-day basis? I don't want to just live by what the Word says, what the Word says, and become dogmatic. What are your ways? I want your ways to become my ways. Proverbs 11.3, listen to this. It says, the integrity of the upright will guard them. The integrity of the upright will guide them. So we need to allow integrity, God's nature, God's word in us, God's ways to guide us. We need to, it needs to become part of our fiber. It needs to become part of our DNA. Psalm 41, 12, Psalmist David said, as for me, you uphold me in my integrity. God upheld David in his integrity. This guy that committed murder and, and um, adultery and murder, but he repented. And so God called him a man after my own heart. It's not all the wrong that he did. It was his heart before God that he repented before God. He had killed somebody's child, his own He'd had his own child. No, no the, 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 the father of the, the, the man that he, he committed adultery. Okay, the, the husband. He had the husband killed. <laughs> and, um, but, but he repented. And, 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 and when, he, when he wrote Psalm 51, his, his psalm of repentance, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. It wasn't so much about... Uh, the, the man that he had killed. It wasn't about the parents or the brother or the wife. It was against God. We need to allow God, you uphold me in my integrity. So in this world, you will have trouble. It might come via a phone call, text message, an email. We will have trouble. We will have trouble. It might be a conversation. You think, oh, that hurt. But in this world, we will have trouble. But what are we going to do? I've got 10 minutes left, and I'm going to try and get the rest of my message done in those 10 minutes. We're going to look at David. We're just going to look at a little bit about David. 
You know what? David was king over Israel. Yeah, maybe that wasn't my 10 minutes. <laughs> that was, I've run out of time. The battery went flat. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Um, yeah, so David got his phone call. David got his phone call. It's fine. I'll just pull it. Or else I'll stand here. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> David got his phone call. He got that phone call. And you know what the phone call was? He was, ki he was king, David was king, and he got this phone call that his son, Absalom, his son, Absalom, was coming to Jerusalem to kill him and to take over the city, to overthrow David as king, his own flesh and blood, Absalom. And, but what did David do? You know what? He stayed the course. He didn't just... He sought God. He, he'd been seeking God all along. This guy Absalom, his own son, the Bible says that he had stolen the hearts of the men of Israel. He had, he had, he had gathered people, he had drawn people after himself away from his own father. And um, even though his father was king, David didn't want the city to be a seat of war. He didn't want there to be bloodshed. So he had sought God. He had already decided beforehand, what is he going to do? Is he going to fight Absalom? Is he going to fight his own flesh and blood? Or is he going to leave? And he decided he's going to leave. So he left Jerusalem barefoot, the king. He left barefoot with the clothes on his back. Absalom arrived. He had 50 men ahead of him, prancing and showing off. You know, here comes the new king, Absalom. They had chariots and horses and fanfare, and Absalom entered the city. David left barefoot, the king. He left barefoot. He, but he, the thing is, he stayed the, he stayed the course while David was leaving the city, some of his men saw the fanfare and said, oh, I want to be part of that. They left, they deserted David, and they joined Absalom. Don't get sidetracked by the razzmatazz. You know what? You can see we're not like that here. But don't get sidetracked by, you know, caught up with the razzmatazz, with the shiny lights and the prancing horses. Stay the course. Just stay the course. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. You know, David had got that phone call, but he decided he's going to make a tactical withdrawal from the city to prevent bloodshed. He didn't make that knee-jerk reaction. He, didn't, he, he gave himself time to regroup and rethink the right and make the right decision. And so while David and his men were journeying, away from Jerusalem, um, they, came across, they came up to another city in the area of Benjamin, and there's this man whose name is Shimi, apparently, 
I don't think that's the right pronunciation, Shimei, but I didn't want to say Shimei because it sounds like Jimei, so I thought I'll call him, we'll call him Shimei for today, okay, for Jimei's sake, who's actually camping today. But um, there was this guy called Shimei, and he had been a follower of Saul. Saul was um, David's predecessor, and this man, Shimei, started accusing David of murder, calling him a bloodthirsty murderer. All, all these, uh, he started swearing at him, called him a wicked man, a murderer. And um, at, meanwhile, David wasn't anywhere near Saul when Saul died, and yet he was being falsely accused of murdering Saul. Then he started rubbing salt into the wound and started saying, your son has overthrown you. Absalom has overthrown your, your, your kingship. Started rubbing salt into the, into the wound. Next thing he started throwing stones at David. David was the king. That's not the way you treat a king. You know, if the queen was to walk in here, we wouldn't throw stones at her. But this is, this is what he did. One of the men said to David, you need to behead this guy, Shimei. You need to get rid of him chop his head off. I mean, you know, no, 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 you just read the Bible. It's so bloody. It's fantastic, really. You know, when, when, you, when you start reading it, it just grips you. But he says, just go chop his head off. And David said, no. David was a man of integrity. Even under the Old Testament, he said, no, it doesn't warrant that this guy gets his head chopped off. I will, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hide under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. He will be my God. He will protect me. He will cover me. He didn't once um, try and um, um, get, he didn't get distracted. He didn't try and, um, what's the word, sort of defend himself. He didn't try and defend himself. It wasn't me that killed Saul. Um, he just stayed the course. He just stayed the course. He relied on his integrity. He allowed his integrity to guide him. David knew his God. He knew his ways. He didn't try to defend himself. And you know what? The same happens to us. When things go wrong, the first thing we want to do is defend ourselves. Or when we're going through a storm, the first thing we want to do, look for the way of escape. Got to get out of this situation. Psalm 23, written by David, says, Even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So here's a little hint. Stop trying to escape. Stop trying to get out of the situation, whatever that thing might be. Stop looking for the way of escape. Sometimes God is doing a work in us in the midst of the pain if we allow him to, if we allow him to, early will I seek you. Early will I seek you in decision-making. Don't take yourself out the race. Don't disqualify yourself. Stay the course. Stay the course. You know what? If you're doing what you believe God has told you to do, just keep, and even if you hit a, a, a brick wall, just keep doing whatever God told you to do, the last thing he told you to do. 
If God's not given you further instructions about changing direction, just keep going forward. Don't get distracted. Don't take yourself out the race. Stay the course. Don't listen to the lure. Don't listen to that lure. You know, the enemy comes in and, and says, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Don't listen to that lure. Shut the door to the enemy. Early will I seek you. Let this be our call, not just David's call, but early will I seek you. Let your knowledge of God, let your understanding of God, the knowledge of God and his ways become so a part of you, become an integrated part of you, 100%, no fractions, not 98.3%, 100%. Allow God and his word and his ways to lead you and your integrity guide you. Keep going in the direction that God has, be, has given to you. Don't get sidetracked. Do the last thing he told you to do. That's what David did. That's what we need to do. You know, sometimes when, we, when we're faced with difficult circumstances, when, when we get that text message, that email, all kinds of emotions can kick off. You know, you might receive some some kind of a text or a phone call, and, and, and the comments could create all kinds of emotion in you, maybe disappointment, even fear. You know what, first thing that happens, worst case scenario, imagine the worst case scenario. Say for instance, you've been made redundant, that's it, you know, we're going under. <laughs> worst case scenario, we're going to have to, we're gonna lose everything. No, we've got to stay the course. What does God say? What does his word say? He says, you've been made redundant, look for another job, apply. Don't just sit around on your rusty dusty and expect the ravens to come feed you. Miracles are not God's best. Miracles are not God's best. His word, his ways are the best way to live your life. So if you're discouraged, if you're disappointed, go to the word. Become that prisoner of hope. Hope does not disappoint. Hope doesn't disappoint. If you're living in fear, if you're fearful of whatever news it is that you've received, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Get, immerse yourself in the love of God for you, for yourself. But seek God. Seek God. Stay the course. Early will I seek you. Let your knowledge of God the knowledge of God and his ways become so part of you, so integrated that you allow God, his word, his ways to lead you and your integrity to guard you. Amen.